For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's time to awaken an entire nation. I'll be a dog till I die. Nah. Between the hedges, look it fly. fly. 90,000 in the stands, I'ma do my dance, make it look fly. fly. Coach, put me in the game. Dang. UGA, yeah, the name. Dang. Yeah, the offense gonna turn up, but the defense gonna win us the game. Here's your host, Corey Burton. All right. It is the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. I only got one question for you today. Do you believe? Well, certainly uh, it's going to be a great episode. Uh, We're going to go off the beating path just a little bit. Uh, I will circle back around to some relevance to the Georgia program. Uh, We talked to Ryan Dyrude of the Believe in L.A. Football podcast where they talk about USC, UCLA, the Rams, and the Chargers. So they kind of run the gamut of, of everything. So I'm going to ask Ryan. We're going we're gonna to get the lowdown and the scoop about JT Daniels and what his chances are to enter the quarterback race from the perspective of an L.A. football fan, um, notably uh, the USC perspective. I'm also going to talk a little bit of Todd Gurley. So we're going to dip into the NFL a little bit. He comes over from the Rams. Uh, he joins the Falcons, so I figure uh, I figure you, you guys would uh, you guys would love that perspective uh, and see what Todd Gurley can do to help the Falcons. See if he's fully healthy, um, all of that. Uh, plus, uh, we're probably just going to you know get get an update on on how the Pac-12 is handling COVID because I think it's uh, I think it's inter- interesting to see other perspectives and how other conferences are doing it. So. Uh, we're going to check in with him about that. And then maybe, you know what, I might get some fantasy football advice because I have a few chargers on my team. So um, I might just selfishly get a little bit of advice on on that front as well. And and, uh, and we're going to have a good show. It's going to be a great perspective, um, a perspective that you probably are not used to hearing, uh, given that uh, we're, we're getting a, a West Coast set of eyes on our program now. And, and so... Um, so that's going to be great. It's going to be a great show. Uh, I can't wait to have. I can't wait to talk to Ryan. I think he'll be. Uh, I think he'll be a great guest. Um, and also, if you want to, uh, speaking of guests, uh, if you want to sponsor a segment, if you want to sponsor the show, whatever you want to sponsor, uh, believe.com, uh, Get in touch with them. Uh, they will get you hooked up. Okay. Without further ado, though, uh, let's welcome in Ryan Dyrude from the Believe in LA Football podcast. Enjoy and go dogs. Ryan Dyrude from the Believe in LA Football podcast joins the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. Ryan, how you doing, man? 
I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Uh, well, I wanted to bring you on. I wanted to chat about uh, JT Daniels uh, transferring from USC, uh, becomes immediately eligible for Georgia. Um, why, you know, was it more of what Slovis could do or was it more of what JT Daniels wasn't all of a sudden able to do uh, was the reason why he left? You know, I, it's kind of ironic, actually, I, I, and I'm not just saying this because you're having me on, but it, it seems very eerily similar to what happened to Georgia back when they had Jacob Eason, and then he gets injured and Jake Fromm comes up, and all of a sudden they can't kind of deny what he was able to do there. I think Keaton Slovis just kind of took the team by storm. Players love him. The coaches love him. That's not to say they didn't love JT Daniels, but when you have a freshman season like Keaton Slovis had, you can't really move on from that. And they were they even said the whole time they were open to having – a open quarterback competition it was technically Keaton Slovis's job to lose but it was hey if JT Daniels performed better in spring but then obviously COVID happens all this there's really no spring practices I don't know if that alluded to JT Daniels decisions or if he just wanted kind of a fresh start um, but all that to say they just couldn't deny what Keaton Slovis did um, and and one thing I will say about JT Daniels is he was class act through the whole year you know getting injured in that first game against Fresno State but he was you know Keaton Slovis is one of his biggest cheerleaders coaching him on the side walking through the playbook. I know he was a big instrument in the actual uh, QB room. So um, he had should get a lot of credit for Keaton Slovis' success. Um, so I think Georgia definitely got a good one. But to answer your question, in a long roundabout way, I think it was just they couldn't deny what Slovis did. And when you have someone that took the team and the city by storm, you can't really go back to what you had before. Absolutely. I mean, that sounds – I mean, the, the parallels are un, uncanny. I didn't even think about that. but. Crazy. Um, yeah, it is. It's crazy how how similar things are. So he gets immediate eligibility, as I as I said before. What does he bring into the quarterback competition at Georgia? Does he have a legitimate shot? You know, I'll, I'll be frank with you. I don't have a ton of knowledge on the current Georgia quarterbacks. Obviously, I'm sure you've talked about it a bunch, and your listeners know. Um, but I can say this about Daniels: is he, I think, for sure, has a legitimate shot. Um, similar to as I alluded to with the Jacob Eason thing, you know, he was a five-star recruit out of uh, modern day in California. I think he was the 16th ranked player in the entire nation. Uh, he ended up leaving high school early to gain early eligibility because he's that smart, just a super smart, savvy kid. Uh, joined the Trojans in the spring, became a true freshman starter in the fall, started uh, two years ago as a freshman, you know, had some struggles, but threw for over 2,500 yards, 14 touchdowns. And you see things when you watch his tape or when you just watch him live, you're like, ooh. Okay, that's that's the quarterback that can be a quarterback of the future, the throws he makes, the body size. So I think he for sure has a legitimate shot. Now, being in Todd Monken's system down there right now, I think he'll fit well with it. You know, if he's able to throw the ball 40 times a game, I think that'll be great. I don't know if they'll actually do that under Kirby Smart, but I know Mon Monken likes to throw. Again, you can talk more on that. But, yeah, I think he has a for sure legit shot. Um, I'd just be curious to see what the competition will truly look like considering really no practices if we even have a season. Yeah, I think it's going to become – I mean, Georgia has a new um, – transfer quarterback also a grad transfer Jamie Newman and uh, mm. they bring in a true freshman so it's really just kind of I don't think there's anybody that really knows well nobody knows the system because it's brand new but there's there's not really anybody that's had playing or starting experience in uh, at Georgia so it'll be interesting to kind of see what dynamic he brings because I think it's you know him and Newman are are a lot alike but they're also very very different and I think it's going to come down with JT just to you know, how how does his knee respond? Because, um, you know, you tear an ACL, you don't know physically or mentally how it's going to, you know, how it's going to do. No, actually, I mean, we're not even technically to a year yet since the tear. So he, how healthy is he actually? That's obviously a question. But I think that's a big reason you allude to why he chose Georgia, because it is a true kind of 
open competition. You know, they lose their quarterback to the draft last year. So he has a true kind of fresh start, if you will. So I think it's a good fit for him. But yeah, who knows what things are going to look like with everything going on this year. Yeah, and there's there's been speculation that he he chose Georgia because he knew that he could he could go in, uh, compete, rehab uh, in the event that you know if Jamie Newman wins the job, he's the guy for a year, and then mm-hmm. Daniels would likely likely take over. So I mean, I you know just watching him uh, develop, I think you know just him developing mentally. He played in the Pac-12 when he was supposed to be a senior in high school. So how much of that do you think factors into? I guess his development and and uh, just kind of where he's at right now, having to transfer and things like that. Did that play a Did that play a part in his development as far as you know getting thrown into the fire too soon? Yeah, that's a good question because it kind of goes into the whole you know should college players be able to go to the NFL earlier? Should rookie quarterbacks start in the NFL? This is kind of unprecedented. We haven't seen a technically senior in high school start as a freshman in college. The, the only other one I know is Jake Bentley, and he was kind of a disaster. Yeah, exactly. So it, 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 it says something when you're a 17-year-old kid trying to lead a, a football team. Yes, these are still all young men, but they are. It's a step up from 17 to 21, 22, the seniors. That's a big leap. Um, but I think what to say about him is how well-respected he was on the team. I know guys looked up to him as a 17-year-old. Um, they had a lot of adversity that year. I know last year, you know, USC – kind of rebounded but before that they went what five and seven five and eight so it was a tough year for usc in a tough market here in la and he took it all with stride so does it hurt his development i think as a on a personal level i think maybe it groomed him a little bit and i think maybe that'll help why he transferred to kind of get out start fresh again i keep saying that but on a football level i think it could only help going from the level of competition from you know being at a modern day i don't know how much you know about southern california high school football Modern, know modern day, yeah, I know they're the premier program down yeah, there. Yeah, they're the cream of the crop. It's modern day, St. John Bosco, you know, Centennial, if you go in public school, there's a few others, but modern day every year is top five in California. So they're playing a little down to their competition. So like how much can you really improve your skill set when you're always above everyone else at such a high level? So him coming in as a senior, I guess you could say, to the Pac-12 and facing much different competition, I think really set him up for success in the future um, and I think it'll bode well for him. It'll be more about those personal demons, if you want to call them, you know, the tender interceptions, some of the plays he made, the injury, if he can come back from that. But overall, I don't think it'll stunt his um, growth too much. I don't think he's that talented. If he really is in the right system, in the right place, has the right surrounding cast, um, I think good things are, are coming for him. Well, I think Georgia fans are excited to finally have two quarterbacks they can get behind. So uh, let's talk uh, Let's talk COVID. I, I know that's uh, – I know that kind of brings down the the mood of the show, but uh, you know the SEC still hasn't really made a decision. The ACC, I think, is still waiting. But I think early on, the Pac-12 and Big Ten uh, didn't they agree to do conference-only games? What what's the latest on that? Yeah, so at this point, essentially, the Pac-12 is going conference-only. It's still, you know, all systems go at this point. Obviously, it'll be either limited or no fans. Uh, haven't fully heard the the realms on that. I know we I heard from a. Mike Bone, who's the AD at USC, and he basically said it's 50-50 at this point whether there's a season. So it really, no one really knows. I think that's the hard thing. Everyone's just, I don't know if they're just watching the tests. I don't know if they're really working through different protocols. Um, but yeah, at this point, it'll be conference only. So you lose some big games for, um, you know, UCLA. If we're talking just LA teams, UCLA doesn't have a huge, crazy out-of-conference schedule. But USC, you know, plays teams like Alabama, play teams like Notre Dame. So those are obviously no more, um, which – 
in my opinion, bodes well for USC not opening the season against Alabama. I think yeah. I've talked about that at length in my my podcast. I didn't love that they were opening the season against Alabama because that can really kind of train wreck your season from there. So, um, but yeah, it'll be conference only. Um, I think how much does that actually help in the situation? I mean, you're still traveling. You figure from LA to Seattle is still 2,500 miles. So I don't know how much that saves the COVID thing, but but that's kind of the latest at this point. Everyone's just kind of fingers crossed and and waiting. Yeah, my guess would be, um, you know, you can control the protocols within your own conference. I guess you you can mm-hmm. you can pretty much guarantee that Oregon's going to be uniform with Stanford, who's going to be uniform with Arizona State, Utah, and things like that. So I guess uh, from that perspective, you can kind of control how teams are handling the testing, the the quarantining, and being able to move games around if, if there's outbreaks like what happened down in Miami with the Marlins. That was, mm-hmm. you know, that's a train wreck. You know, I think I heard all those players went to a strip club after an exhibition game and just kind of spread COVID around uh, their yeah. clubhouse. So, um, But I think if that situation happens in the Pac-12, you can just move that game to a later date and then just kind of shuffle everything around because it is just in-conference games. True. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the protocol is what you you hit the nail on there is that, yeah, every conference will do different things. So if you're within your own conference, you can keep everything uniform, um, which will be important. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm still optimistic, cautiously optimistic, but uh, I don't know. We'll see if there actually is a season or not. If this thing takes off, what do you think will happen with the playoff? Is that uh, is that something that, you know, with all with the Big Ten and Pac-12 as of right now going conference only, does that affect their ability to get into a playoff? Is there going to be a playoff? What is your prediction there? Oh man, you know that's a great. It's one thing I'll, I'll be honest. I haven't even really thought that far ahead because just because we're so concerned if if we even have a season. Yeah, that's a great question though. Because yeah, how do you? I know, and I'm I obviously have a little bias covering West Coast football, covering the Pac-12, but I I think the Pac-12 gets slighted every year. SEC is what it is. I think they're the best football in conference. But the Pac-12, I think, gets slighted. And but how are you going to put a team like an Oregon, like a Washington, like a USC, who I think is going to be really good this year, that only plays Pac-12, doesn't have one of those dominant out-of-conference wins over a team in the SEC that has that brutal, you know, top-five schedule? It'll be tough. I, I think it'll be tough. They'll have to go undefeated, I think, in the Pac-12 if we're talking strictly that conference. Yeah, I, I think, and I think with the with the college football playoff, I think you could see something like. Um, you, know, you get four teams in there and just do a bubble, do a bubble style over the course of two weeks, and and you play your semifinal and and, and final, and and just keep those teams locked down in a bubble so that you don't lose anybody to COVID. So uh, that would be an interesting scenario. Um, actually, I'm gonna get on the phone with Mark Emmett right now and, and 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 tell him my plan. I think he'll take it. Right there, you go. I think he'll go with it. <laughs> I mean, I, you could definitely do that with four teams. You can't do it with 256 or whatever there are, but no. you you could do it with four teams. So yeah, no I doubt, it's definitely possible. That would be fun uh, to, to be. What is it supposed to be in LA this year? Or is that in two years? The national championship is. I can't keep up to be honest with you. Yeah, they no changed. Now they change. It was always in Dallas. Now I think they change it. But I know it's going to be in LA at New SoFi at one point. But it might be whatever twenty twenty two. But anyway, is SoFi ready? It's pretty much done. Yeah, I think they're doing like little things here and there. But dude, that that stadium is unbelievable. I visited it. I did a little media tour back in February. So they were like far away when i went when i visited i was like there is no way this stadium is gonna be done on time sorry this is like way off topic but oh, no way this is done on time but they are yeah it's like it looks amazing it's gonna be an unbelievable venue they have a new con uh, new bowl game they're actually the la bowl which will be uh pac 12 and a mountain west team which is kind of fun which who knows if that happens this year but yeah. um it's gonna be an unbelievable event 
yeah, that would be uh, that'd be crazy. Um, yeah, I, I love I love seeing the the virtual tours of all these stadiums. I, you know, Atlanta got one I think three years mm-hmm. ago now, Mercedes Benz with yeah, the big uh, Oculus and the the uh, photo the the roof that closes like a photo lens. It's it's yeah. really cool. Um, so I can't wait to see I can't wait to see the virtual tour of, of SoFi Stadium. So uh, speaking of SoFi Stadium, the home of the Rams and the Chargers. Let's jump to the NFL. I know uh, Georgia fans have been um, have been longing for ever since the draft. Uh, they've been longing for Todd Gurley to be an Atlanta Falcon. It finally happens, of course, uh, amongst the circumstances uh, that it happened was a deterioration with the relationship with the Rams. Um, how much of it was? Just he was beat up and and just ready to get out of there, or was there anything else that led to the to that uh, rapid deterioration of the relationship? You know, it's still. I've talked to so many people about this, guys in the locker room, other players, and it it's such a mysterious situation because there was there has yet to be. I'm sure maybe one day when he retires there'll be some story, but there hasn't been anything that comes out that there was ever a a true whether you want to call it fight or or uh, a lack of, I mean, obviously a lack of understanding, but there's never like a, a true clashing of the heads. Todd, if you know Todd at all, is a super quiet guy, kind of keeps himself. He really doesn't, he wears his emotions, but he doesn't really give, he has a good poker face, doesn't lead on a lot. You can tell when he's upset about something, but he really won't give you much. Um, so I don't know if there's something behind closed doors or if it was just his lack of usage. Um, obviously the Rams all year kept saying that he's healthy. We're going to use Todd sparingly because we want to save him for the playoffs. Um, but then they, really wouldn't use him in situations that seemed like he would be the guy to be used for. Uh, I remember writing a column about it back in, you know, mid October saying if he's truly on a pitch count, at least use him on plays where he can be utilized most, not on a first and 10 at your own 20, save him for that third and six, that third and eight, those goal line situations really need him. And McVeigh was just really calling kind of weird games. I don't know if it was really a McVeigh and Gurley um, kind of had a loss for what they, the game plan was, if there was a personal level, but I know he loved it here in LA. I know he, you know, was loved by his teammates, uh, never really had any big arguments or fights. So it's still really answer your question. I don't really have a true answer because it was just such a mysterious kind of chain of events that happened. But if, the writing was on the wall, basically once the season ended that he wasn't going to be a Ram or if he was, it was going to be a very unhappy one. So that I think for both sides, it was good. They were able to move on. And um, it was kind of a match made in heaven for him to get down there in, in Atlanta. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, going back to, to Sean McVay, it just felt like a you know just watching it from afar, it just felt like a very odd season. They just didn't see. They seemed very discombobulated, often uh, with that offense. They just didn't know, you know, who they who they wanted to get the ball to. It just seemed like they were trying to feature somebody different every week, whether it was force feeding it to Josh Reynolds or the tight end, um, was it Higby? Yeah, Higby um, and Gerald Everett. Yeah, yeah, just trying to you know just trying to. It just seemed like really weird game plans. It almost seemed like McVay outcoached himself. Oh, 100%. I said that a lot, too. And I love Sean McVay. He's going to be a great coach for a long time. But you can absolutely overthink situations and outcoach yourself. And, you know, in 2018, when they had the Super Bowl run, A, they really didn't have anyone get injured. They were able to stay very healthy throughout the entire year. The biggest injury, really, was Todd Gurley's knee, which technically he was never out. They were just starting to limit him toward the end of the year. Uh, But they were able to stay healthy. But B, they truly knew their identity on offense. And I think last season, they lost their identity and they really couldn't find it. They tried to do things from 2018 that they couldn't do. They tried a couple of new things, but they wouldn't stick to one thing. You know, they, they tried juggling different players, as you mentioned. Um, so that, that was the biggest thing was just finding their identity. And they couldn't truly find that for the year until maybe a little too late towards down the stretch when they ended up, you know, winning a couple of games there at the end before losing the final one to San Francisco. But 
Um, you know, I think they'll get back to, to what they are good at and what they need to do. But yeah, it was just an odd year. It was, it was a strange play calling year. The, the whole thing with, I remember one press conference, McVay coming out and saying, you know, I'm, I'm an idiot for not using Gurley enough. And then mm-hmm. a week later, he still only gave him like 14 carries. So it was just a very strange thing. And, you know, I love Todd. I hope he has a great, great rest of his growth. I mean, if he finishes his career with Atlanta, which I think he probably will, but mm-hmm. hope he has a great one. And, you know, hopefully his knee is healthy, but we'll see who made the better decision there, I guess, this yeah, year. Well- and we'll see how how well he bounces back with that. I hope he can get to Pro Bowl form. So, uh, let's let's uh, let's jump to the t- uh, Chargers. Uh, a lot of for selfish reasons for me. Um, I have um, Austin Eckler and Mike Williams on my dynasty league team. So I, I got a vested, I got more of a vested interest in Chargers football than most here in the Southeast. So, uh, what, what's up with the the backfield situation um, in uh, with the Chargers? Who, who's the who's going to be the backup for, for Eckler? Who's going to replace Melvin Gordon's role? Yeah, well, they're all in on Eckler. Love Eckler. You know, I'm, I'm from Colorado originally, so he's a Colorado guy. Went to Western State, undrafted. So um, love Eckler, what he brings to the team. But, but, yeah, the backup will be between Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly. Joshua Kelly, an incoming rookie out of UCLA, so I cover him extensively. Um, love what he brings. He's a big bruising back. I mean, not huge, but he's a, his style of running is a bruising style of back. So that, I think, complements Eckler much better than what Justin Jackson brings, former Northwestern product. Um so, I mean, at this point, it's a it's a battle for that number two spot to answer your question. But I personally like Joshua Kelly, just, you know, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons in the Pac-12 uh, on a very limited UCLA uh, offense, or at least they struggled a lot. So um, I think he brings a lot. But it, it should be Justin Jackson – or, excuse me, should be Joshua Kelly. But Justin Jackson is also another fun back. He's, oh, I think he's entering his third year. Mm-hmm. Um, has gotten limited snaps over the course of that. Was a little more bigger role last year when Melvin Gordon held out. Um, but, yeah, I, I like – I like Joshua Kelly to take the role. So, but it's Austin Eckler's backfield for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you know Coach Lynn, especially when he was in Buffalo, now that he's truly implementing his system, I, I temper a little bit fantasy expectations because they'll definitely use a more committee, I think, than uh, people would like those, uh, especially if you're an Eckler holder. But Eckler will still get plenty of touches, plenty of catches, and uh, he, he's just fun to watch, man. Yeah, I just made a claim for for Joshua Kelly. I, I own Eckler too. So um, I, I, I picked up Eckler um, as soon as I. I traded for Melvin Gordon like two years ago, mm-hmm. and I picked up uh, Eckler as his backup because I knew they kind of, you know, I, I knew Anthony Lynn's style. He was gonna there was gonna be two guys, totally. and, and so um, that's paid off for me. I, I've I've staved off a lot of trade offers. So, um, cool. well, I think what's big not to cut you off. I think what's big too about oh, Kelly yeah. is the fact that they took him in the fourth round. I, mm-hmm. I I value him a high when I was doing my rankings. I thought he was really good, but he was a lesser known. Not a lot of people knew him. You know, mm-hmm. UCLA obviously winning what four games last year not a guy on everyone's radar. So when he went in the fourth, I think a lot of people were shocked, but that just shows I think how high the chargers are on him and they, they know what he can bring to the offense. So, so yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I would look for him to be the, the, the number two. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I, I just love how physically he is running the ball. So um, let's talk quarterbacks. Um, you know, it's interesting with Tyrod Taylor uh, and then they draft Justin Herbert uh, in the, in the first round. So, uh, is it Tyrod's team for the full year? Do you think, or does Herbert get in at all? Does Herbert win the jo- win the job in training camp? How does that play out? You know, it's always the the big question for any team with a quarterback controversy, or at least a rookie quarterback. Uh, the Chargers, to me, are in win now. I know last year, obviously, they had a very disappointing year, but just prior to that, they you know tied the division with the Chiefs. They went to the divisional round. Um, so this is a very good squad. They did great in free agency. You know, bolstering the defense, actually improving the offensive line, which has been their biggest you know kind of negative the last basically all of Phillip Rivers career with the Chargers. They finally kind of bolstered that. Um, so I think this is Tyrod's team 
until there's any signs of concern. And what I mean by that, if this team is sitting at four and two, five and three, I think they keep rolling with Tyrod. You know, they want it. They really want to have Justin sit as long as possible, especially with the offseason we had. You know, he's finally getting his first team on the field work, you know, as we speak, kind of with, you know, rookies reporting the camp. But they haven't really been able to see him in the playbook. I know he's been studying on his own, but they, they want to really work him in slowly. But if this team, you know, is one and three, two and four, if they struggle early out the gate, I think they turn the keys over to, to Herbie and see what he can do and see if he can turn this team around. Obviously, he had great production at Oregon. Um, we saw him in situations where he's able to turn things around. You know, in that SEC game against Auburn, wasn't able to do so. Actually, kind of blew a lead. But um, but I think he's a guy they're obviously excited about taking six overall. But but to answer your question, this is I think Tyrod's team until there's really any concern because this is a team. This is a playoff team. This is not a rebuilding team. This is not a Bengals team that hey they're just going to throw Joe Burrow in and and they're going to build around him and he's the guy. Obviously, Herbert's the guy. But this is a team that can really make the playoffs and maybe make some noise with the roster they constructed. So they don't want to they don't want to make the QB change too early unless they think that QB change will really put them over the top. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting race, and you know it, it'll play out like in most most rookie quarterback situations. Probably the same with Tua and uh, Fitzpatrick down in Miami. You know they'll they'll probably hand the keys to Fitzpatrick, and if they struggle early, give it to Tua and, and maybe try to get Tua. Uh, same situation. So, uh, Ryan, you you're you're the host of the Believe in LA Football podcast. Uh, you guys cover four teams. Uh, you know how do you balance between uh, between the teams and 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 how how do you you know do you put more preference on NFL? Um, you know, do you put more preference on uh, UCLA, USC? You know, talk about your show a little bit. What, what do y'all? Yeah. Kind of... No, I appreciate that. No, it's a lot of fun, man. I mean, we definitely even during times like this, there's not a huge short of con- content, which is nice. Um, so we try. My co-host now is Frosty Rucker. He played in the NFL for 13 years, and he was at USC when they won the national title. So obviously, it's great having him now as a co-host. But we try every show to cover all four teams. That's kind of our goal. So we do two shows a week. Uh, we try to hit on all four teams just so basically for the fans out there that say you're a UCLA and a Chargers fan or say you're, you're a fan of two teams, you can come to one spot, get all the stuff you need to know. Um, obviously, right now, things have been a little more NFL heavy just because really since the national championship game, there hasn't been a ton of news surrounding college, at least not out here. I know there's little things, you know, some transfers. Obviously, we talked about JT Daniels. Um, little things like that, but there's not a ton, I'm sure you know, running a college show. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot to talk about with college right now because there hasn't been really anything. I mean, you don't have agency like the NFL, you don't have the draft, you don't have all these other storylines, training camp. So right now, it's been definitely a much heavier Rams and Chargers show. We still sprinkle in um, some UCLA and USC, but, you know, it's just trying to be cover all four teams, have fun with it, and uh, it's been a blast. Uh, it definitely is a lot of work, keeps me busy, but having fun doing it. Well, Ryan, I, I appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, Georgia fans, if you want some good West Coast football talk, uh, Ryan and Frosty are, uh, are, are your that's, – that's your go-to. Um, so, um, listeners, take note. Believe in L.A. Football Podcast. Subscribe to me. Subscribe to them. Uh, listen to both. Get, get both coasts in your perspective. It's always good to, to understand West Coast football um, just so you can uh, – at the very least, so you can sound smart in your arguments of, of playoff talk and – college football you know people will be impressed so uh ryan where can we find you on social media yeah i'm on uh twitter at ryan dirud lafb i'm um, also on instagram just ryan dirud so uh pretty easy to find me um uh, yeah man thanks for having me on keep doing the great work too covering georgia um you know i, I said earlier I, I have a west coast bias in pac-12 i think it's slighted but at least 
Uh, if you're in arguments with friends out there, there's a lot of Pac-12 players playing in the NFL. So at least you'll you'll know some of those guys a little more if you check us out. So but thanks, and man. I appreciate and you. And especially from L.A. So, Ryan, yeah. I appreciate it. Um, and we'll talk soon. All right, brother. Take care. All Stay right. safe. This has been the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. want to thank you again for listening. You can find us on social media at Believe in Dogs on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, everywhere you find your, everywhere you listen to your podcast, subscribe, rate us, give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you want to advertise, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, and they will get you set up want to thank you again for listening, and as always, go dogs. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.